0: think our goal at is every day we want to do better than the day before.
1: Every day, we rely on food, fuel, and fiber. But how much do you know about these industries we depend on? In this podcast, we dive deep into the production and processes of these everyday essentials. This is Field Points, an original podcast production from Series Solutions. Welcome back to Field Points. I'm your host, Morgan Seger. I am thrilled to be wrapping up our intentional leadership series with Siri Solutions CEO Jeff Troike. In the cooperative system for over 40 years, Jeff brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to this conversation and shares some of what he and my co-host Laurel refer to as Troikeisms, those go-to things that have helped him successfully lead the cooperative for decades. He shares insights into how things come together, how the organization decides when and where to invest, and what goes into play when we're thinking strategically about the invest initiative that Sirius Solutions has set for this year. So let's meet our guest, Jeff Troike.
0: So yeah, a little bit about my background. I grew up on a family farm in northern Indiana, Stark County, Indiana, went to Purdue University, majored in animal science, did a lot of courses in agronomy. So when I got out of college in 1982, of course there was thoughts about going back to the family farm. At that time, the economic conditions were that there was plenty of work for three families on the farm. I already had an older brother there, barely enough income for two families. So I decided to go out and try something different, and I got a job with the co-op. At that time, was Indiana Farm Bureau Co-op, but the one I went to was West Central Indiana Co-op. And so I started that in 1982, and for about four and a half years, I managed a local branch uh, at Malott, Indiana. That was an agronomy branch and a grain-receiving location. So I, that's where I cut my eye teeth in the co-op system and in agribusiness. So uh, going from the family farm to that, I learned a lot. Uh, you know, You know my history, Laurel, that I was going through some management training at that time with the Indiana Farm Bureau Co-op, and the manager of West Central Indiana Co-op at that time decided to take another position, and I was kind of talked into interviewing for interview experience, and uh, lo and behold, they took a chance on a a young person out of a branch to run the co-op at that time, and that would have been in 1986. So then I went from running a single location, trying to manage it, the daily activities, to, uh, you know, we had five five or six, seven locations plus petroleum uh, to where, you know, my responsibilities changed, my leadership style had to change to where you weren't just leading four or five people, you were leading the whole company, and then you had to not worry about how you operated that branch, but one investments you made in people and in equipment, in facilities. You know, that went very well. I was just fortunate to surround myself with some good people. There was no doubt that company was struggling a little bit financially. And then the economy turned around for agriculture a little bit there in the early uh, 90s. And we got to do some good things. Once again, invest in people, let them do their work, hire good people, let them do their job to take care of the customers. Uh, add some equipment and do some things to build that co-op and get it to where it was doing what the membership needed it to do. You know, that was the start back there in the mid-80s and early 90s, a lot of consolidation in agriculture. Not just at the co-op level, at the agribusiness level, but with the farm gate. And also that's when we started getting a lot more regulations where you had to invest money in your facilities Uh, to uh, to meet the regulations, and you could not do that with every facility. So there's where you had to strategically start in, where are we going to invest, how are we going to invest for the future of the farmer, the future of the co-op, and the future of our locations. And so that's where, you know, that started there in the mid-'90s with some regulations coming into place. So that gave you that mindset as you started planning, looking out as the business environments change, Conditions change, consolidations happen where do you want to be? And you have to invest in long-term assets, long-term programs, and and your people long-term to meet those challenges.
2: Right, and I feel like that continues today. That is very much the feel. That was the start
0: of it back there with West Central days. Then in about 1998, uh, we merged with the neighboring co-op, Heartland Co-op at that time. I was privileged to become the, the CEO there. You know, and the consolidation, the investing continued at that time. And then, once again, you know my history. Then we did another partnership in 2007 to grow, and then our last one in 2017 of a merger with co-ops. And, you know, that's one of the things in my career that we've seen. When I first got involved with the co-ops in 82, there was financial problems and people were merging to save people. What we've learned since then on mergers is, One plus one will equal two and a half or three. Mm -hmm. That you are able to, as you get some size and scale, and size is, bigger is not better on everything, but it does have its advantages. But when you have to invest in facilities, invest in programs, invest in people, size and scale does matter because you can spread those resources over a larger area. And through all the investing and all the consolidation, I can sit and, and, and look anybody in the eye and tell you that. It's been better for the customer, the owner member, been better for the employees, and better for, for the co-op, been better for the industry. What I have witnessed in 40 years plus of being in the business is somewhat unbelievable, the use of technology, how we do things. Uh, to better take care of the members, to work with our customers, to work with whether it's our member owners or our non-member customers, the things that we do, things we have to invest in in the programs, and we can talk about all of them that you want to.
1: Before we dive into the specifics of the Invest Strategic Initiative, we wanted to take some time to lean into Jeff's over 40 years of experience and learn more about his leadership philosophy and his leadership style.
0: I think I talked about it earlier where develop the approach is you hire good people, you give them the tools and programs and, and products to be successful. You help them with their careers and you take care of them. And then guess what? They'll take care of the customers. Mm-hmm. And then the business runs pretty good.
2: When I joined Series 10 years ago, I said, you know, what is the mission? What's the purpose? And you said, do the right thing.
0: The old saying that everybody has, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I believe in that one. Sure. You mentioned do the right thing. I challenge our people all the time. You know, our business is made up of relationships relationships. It's relationships with our customers, it's relationship with the members, it's relationship with our vendors that we work with, And this relationship with our employees that they know that we we care about them just like we care about our customers and that we make Mm -hmm. long term decisions uh, when we do things. And we want to help our people grow. We want our customers to be profitable and successful. And if we don't do that, if we can't help our customers be more profitable, more efficient, more productive and same way with our employees, if we don't have the tools and not investing in the right facilities, the right equipment to make their job easier, to make it more enjoyable for them, then we have no reason to exist. You know, um, change is not easy for everybody. And uh, we have to make sure we do change to meet the expectations of the customers. Sometimes that can be hard. I mean, everybody's got different expectations, right? So you got some customers that do not want to change at all. And don't understand why we're investing in facilities, and why we're consolidating some others, and why we're we're affecting moving their cheese a little bit, and same way with employees. So it's always our job is make sure we communicate that well enough, and then execute and deliver on the promises that when we do make a change, that their service is going to be just as good, if not better, and probably better than it was before.
2: You can't work somewhere for 40 years and not have it just a ton of relationships that help you become more successful as a leader
0: and most of them are good (laughs) (laughs) you know we do have some people that probably don't like some of the decisions we've had to make in the past Mm -hmm. but as far as uh, uh, what we believe is best for the co-op long term best for the membership we have to continue to change if not we'll get buried and we'll get run over and uh, uh, once again change is difficult for some people it can be difficult for me yeah. i mean i'll admit sometimes it's you got to throw stuff against the wall a few times to see if it sticks to get me to uh to change some things to add some services to make some consolidations but uh, you know it's all about communication you know relationships are a big thing you know when i started in the career it's all about do you have a personal relationship with your customers are you going to church with them or do you see them at the ball games or are other mm-hmm. kids on the little league we're still about that but mm-hmm. we also have to have that business relationship that we are adding value to their operations we're bringing them something that they cannot get anyplace else or they find it harder we are there to help them solve problems You know, it's easy to say that that's what we want to do. It's hard to deliver. You know, the old thing is strategy is no better than how good your execution is. And, you know, what I can see is I believe we invest in our people to allow them to execute well at the farm gate, at the business gate, whether it's petroleum or LP, at the home to do their jobs, to protect themselves, protect the customers and offer what people need.
2: Can you describe a a little bit what you mean when you say you you have a style that is complicated? Paranoid.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that, that was coined between <laughs> Doug and myself, and we and somebody ought to show you the pictures. There's of a graphic. Doug and I, oh, there's a graphic. There's a graphic. <laughs> there's a graphic, and maybe I'll go find it for you, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, confidently paranoid, we probably describe that as very confident in Siri Solutions, very, very confident in our team to take care of our customers, very confident that we are doing everything we can to help them and to be relevant for the future. And then you're always a little paranoid about what are we missing? What are we not seeing? What could derail us that we're not doing what our member needs, we're not taking care of them in the way we should? You know, is that just missing something? Is that we have a breach in technology where, you know, we're getting, just like everybody else, you're getting hacked every day. We're getting hacked every day to where if somebody steals information that we let down our customers, we've let down our employees. And we have stories of people that have been hacked and what that's done. We've all heard those stories, right? They shut the co op down for two weeks, or they want $5 million ransom, Mm -hmm. you know, paranoid that if we are not offering what the employee needs to do their job, that we are no longer a employer of choice. And, And we need to be that. So I guess confidently paranoid, confident in today, paranoid, what are we missing that we... You know, what could derail us from doing the job that we, we've we set out to do?
2: It's not too comfortable, not going to rest.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's never setting, and keeps you humble, keeps yeah. you humble. My job is to, I've said it before, hire good people, give them opportunities to succeed, give them the tools that they need, and to let them flourish. I think I'm hands-off.
2: I've heard you described by others who say, I have never known someone who could know what's going on in the most casual way. Just being aware of what's going on, but not in an intrusive way. Because I think there's a lot of connectivity points. And people, regardless of where you are in your career, or where you are in your contributions to series... You're connected to a lot of people uh, who have been able to help you be a better leader by keeping you informed.
0: Well, yeah, well, thank you for that, because I feel as we've grown the company, I'm more, you know, it used to be I did know every employee, probably their spouse, their kids, maybe in the dog's name. Now, if you don't have a series shirt on and you see me outside, it might like, well, they look familiar. But I've also said, I really don't like to manage. You know, if you're a manager and you ask about leadership, but, you know, I don't like to manage people. I like to give them the tools to do what their job is and not have to manage too hard.
2: What would you be if you weren't the CEO at Ceres? I
0: don't know if I'd be a farmer or not. When I started my career, it was like, I'm gonna start out working for the co-op. If that don't work, I work outside anyway, whether it's co-op or whoever. And um, if that don't work out, I'll go back to the family farm. Well, I never made it back to the family farm and I'm probably not going to at this point. But, uh, uh, you know, anybody that grew up on a farm always one if right. One if I would have went back. One if I would have I done it differently. Um, you know, there's a lot of enjoyment. There's a lot of risk at farming, but there's also a lot of enjoyment, a lot of satisfaction at that. So I think my dad told me. He said, "You're a little bit crazy, son." <laughs> he says, "You're you're getting out of where you somewhat farmed. as going through. You know, grew up on a farm and." And you don't have to worry about one farmer. You worry about all of them now. He says, (laughs) says, what are you thinking? But uh, it's been great for me and for my family. And, uh, you know, hopefully I've given back as much as the co-op's given me that I've been able to give back to it. Uh, as much as I've received out of it. so.
1: Beginning his career as a branch manager, Jeff was in a very hands-on role, actively working through every decision as it came up throughout the day. One thing that I've noticed throughout this series is the leadership team at Series Solutions prioritizes vision casting and thinking about the future. So I asked Jeff how he transitioned from a hands-on day-to-day role to the leadership role he's in today.
0: I'm not sure I've totally transitioned yet. <laughs>
1: He's getting
0: better. <laughs> there will be people, I tell you, but I want my fingers and my hand and everything yet. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the things of having a larger co-op and doing the consolidations we've had, which I say is still the best thing for the industry, well, probably what's helped me through, you know, going from the day-to-day to the, you know, trying to become a CEO and look at the three-year, five-year, 10-year goals, uh, lead the company that way is through the consolidation where we're, we have grown to where i cannot keep up with the day-to-day activities and we have people that we hired I, you know i've said that already we invest in our people we hire people give them tools to be successful in their job i've had to rely on other people to do things i used to do and that's how you grow the company you got to give them responsibility that's part of succession planning too right we're all replaceable some of them are replaceable sooner than others, but we are all replaceable and we will be replaced. So is our job is important to do and to try to bring people along that can do the job and take care of the customers. They see the vision of the co-op for the best outcome. We've got to have succession planning. Uh, do we do that as good as we should? No. Some can be succession planning. You know what's going to happen in two, three years. Some succession planning happens tomorrow. And that can be our choice. That can be an employee's choice. That can be an unfortunate circumstance that causes that. You always have to be prepared. That's, you know, that's why we are also investing in technologies policies, procedures. You hear us talk about one series where we want everybody to be using as best as we can the same procedures, the same programs, the same policies for makes that succession planning at the branch, at the tank wagon driver, at the bobtail driver, at the service person to where they it used to be in our business everything was in the employees' head and we can't do that anymore for a few reasons. Succession planning. Another one is younger employees aren't gonna work the way older employees. That's why we're making so many investments in some of our technologies and our programs and our systems is because the new workforce and we have to adapt to that. Probably shouldn't say it, but it's like the new workforce don't want to work like us guys has been in the business forty years. They work differently. That's not bad. That's not a bad thing thing Because guess what? The customers we'll be serving that are their age are not going to be working like their grandparents did or their parents did or the generation ahead of them did. They're going to use the technology. They're going to use monitors. They're going to use resources that are available today because they've grown up with it. So we have to adapt to that. We have to bring that on.
2: You know, when people serve a certain number of years, people start to say, "Um, well, you know, do you have a retirement date? And, and uh, have
0: you been asked that? I was asked that a few weeks ago. I was asking a group of probably 40, 50 people, do you have a date for retirement yet? And I paused for a minute and I said, yes, I do. And her name is Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> so Great industry, co-op aside, you know, we got a great co-op, great employees, great customers, great members. Uh, throw in a pitch, I got a great board of directors that help lead the co-op that uh, uh, give me direction. But, you know, agriculture is a unique business. You know, we get to help, we believe, make a difference to uh, elevate our farmers, to help them be more successful. I always say that more successful, more productive, more proficient, uh, or efficient. Um. But we are doing something that we're just not manufacturing. We're manufacturing a product that everybody needs: the food, the f- the fiber, the fuel. That not just for us in this country, but you know, parts of the world. And, and we're doing it in a way uh, that we keep getting better and better. And I don't see that changing. That uh, productivity. How are we going to feed a hungry world? We're going to become more productive and and increase productivity. And that's the use of technology. Not everybody likes technology, and technology is just not equipment, just not artificial intelligence. It's the technologies we've seen in fertilizer. It's the technology we've seen in crop nutrients. It's the uh, technology we've seen in placement the use of biologicals. There's this more and more coming in the horizon that keeps this industry exciting, uh, not just for us as a supplier, but for the the customer or for the producer. They're never gonna run out of things to do and and things to try and, and, and to get better. And that's, I think, our goal at Ceres. Every day we wanna do better than the day before. So again, strategy is good. It's how you execute, and that's always the toughest one. And and that's probably where that confidently paranoid comes back in again, right?
1: I asked Jeff if this shift in how we work changes the relationship with the customer.
0: We hope not. You still, you know, there's, there's the key. You can't do everything over the computer. You can't do everything over Snapchat and, and texting and cell phones. You still have to have the, I call it the belly-to-belly, the face-to-face contact, that relationship. But you can still do a lot using technology and that's what that they're going to want to do i was with a group a couple of weeks ago and i said it's a fine line for Sirius as a cooperative you know we got people that's been in the business 30 40 years and they're doing a tremendous job and they're going you're bringing all these new changes as you're investing in new technology you want me to change you're going too fast i don't like it and i'm going well you don't like it, but if we do not move quick enough for the next group that's going to replace you, they're going to go, you guys are terrible. You're terrible. You're not changing. You're not giving me the tools to be successful. You're not investing in me or your company. I'm going to go find someplace else to work. Right. And we don't want to do that. So.
2: Well, what used to be the tools to be successful was a truck and a list of customers and go, go knock yourself out. And yeah. and today, I think you're learning the more exposure that series seeks out to the customer of tomorrow, that next generation. I know you've got a, a small group that you meet with regularly as sounding board and you listen probably more than you all talk in there about what their issues are. And that's how we learn what we need to be next.
0: Yeah, I mean you're talking about that group we call Project Twenty Forty where we have twelve farmers that are in the mid thirties that's gonna be farming in two thousand and forty. So we're investing in that group just because we want to invest in a customer. Oh yeah, but also because They're going to be farming in 2040. What do they want out of a retailer? What do they want out of the people they do business with? What do they think they're going to need for we can be prepared to serve them in 2040? Now, one of the great things the cost has been around 100 years. Very few businesses survive 100 years. And we're going stronger today than we ever have thanks to our great employee group, our great customer base, our great partnerships we have with our vendors and our manufacturers that we're allowed to do that and we expect to be around the next hundred years.
1: Invest can look like mergers, acquisitions, and resources for employees, but for Series Solutions, they also think about how they can invest and give back to the local communities they serve.
0: You know, Ceres and most cooperatives are based in the rural America, and uh, we still believe in rural America because that's what we're part of. We're small communities. We are owned locally by the membership, so we invest back into that. And we have core beliefs that we our core causes we invest back into You know, is involved in agriculture, is involved in youth. So FFA is a big one, 4-H is a big one that we invest back in. They are developing future leaders for us, and that's what we need in small rural communities. I mean, we also help with the fire departments and some emergency responders. So we have academic scholarships at Purdue plus some high school scholarships for young people that are going into the agricultural field that we, we feel we need to promote agriculture. It's a great industry. We'd like to think that our employees are very involved in their communities, not just series as giving donations to 4-H, FFA, to the fire department. You know, our people are part of the communities. Once again, we're in rural America. How many of our people live in a town of 2,000, 3,000, 1,200 people? So they are involved. They're involved with their church. They're involved with the Little League teams. They're involved with the fire departments, serving on their fire department. They're involved. They're 4-H leaders. They're on the fair board. Uh, they help with the FFA, uh, countless other things that they're involved with. and. And so that gives us visibility but we also promote that you know you got to get back to your community. We talk about centered on you, we're centered on our customers, centered on our employees, centered on our communities. And so not just, once again, that what Ceres does for the the communities, but our people involvement is a great thing and a great attribute uh, to Ceres and to our customer base.
2: Do you want to talk a little bit about your relationship with Land O'Lakes?
0: Sure, I can do that. I always have to clarify that Land O'Lakes is a farmer-owned cooperative. Most people sit and go, well, that's butter and cheese. That's the Land Lakes. they're the dairy company, and that's about a third of their business, or 30%. There's this other little company called Purina Livestock Feeds. That's about 30% of their business, and, and I always clarify that that is the animal livestock feed, not what you buy in the store, the cat and dog food. Then about 40% of the business is Winfield United, which is the agronomy company on the crop protection, the seed, the technology, the the true tariffs. And that is Farmer Owned Cooperative. And I've had the pleasure of being on that board since about 2009. And what I can tell you from being on that board is it brings a lot of opportunities to me for personal development, to look at things different, how a larger organization works, uh, some of their programs, some of their policies, how they do some HR, how they do technology, how they do safety and risk, how they do marketing that I'm able to come back and share, not with just our board, but with our employee group and our leadership team that I believe it makes us better by being on that board. And it's allowed me a lot of opportunities also to invest not just in locally, but to invest in agriculture I've had the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. how many times. Matter of fact, I'll be going tomorrow to help maybe shape some policy or try to. We, we talk about investing in employees, investing in assets. We're also investing in organizations. Mm-hmm. As you say, uh, National Council for Farmer Cooperatives, um, Chuck Conner, that's an Indiana uh, a native. Uh, runs that organization well-known in Washington DC. There's very few things go on in Washington DC that is involved in ag that doesn't go across his desk. It gets his opinion on you know, are we involved with the State Department of Ag? Are we involved in different organizations to try and make a difference? That's what we try and do. We have to invest time and resources in those too, on behalf of our membership. Part of our responsibility as a member-owned cooperative is to be a voice for our members, mm-hmm. and that is investing time, being that advocate for them. My growth, being a Land O'Lakes director, has allowed me to meet some of those people, and I bring them into the board of directors. 1% of the population is involved in agriculture Uh, The new slogan for Land O'Lakes is 1% feeds 100%. And if we're not vocal, if we do not tell our story, there's a lot of consumer groups out there that like to tell a different story about how agriculture is. So uh, Land of Lakes has really allowed me to think outside the box, to think differently, to bring back, once again, to our people, to our board, the opportunities to uh, meet people, to get some speakers in, to be involved in some policy decisions and directions. Once again, if we don't tell the story, who's going to? You know, we need to continue, and that's part of that investment. We need to continue to still tell the story of agriculture. I mean, we get a lot of bad raps out there. You know, products we use, practices we do. And, you know, in my 40-year career, what I can tell you is, and, you know, the big word now is sustainability, right? We all have to be sustainability. we got to be carbon neutral, and we do. I truly believe if anybody had encyclopedias anymore, which we don't, but I believe if you would Google sustainability, it should say modern-day agriculture in America because even in my 30, 40 years, what we have done from where your yield target was in 1985 to what your yield target is today has increased from 150 bushel to 200 plus bushel. And we're using less products to produce 220 bushel. We're using safer products. We're more efficient, definitely more environmentally friendly And we're doing it in a way that, uh, you know, we do produce, once again, 1% feeds 100%. in the most affordable food uh, supply chain and spend of your dollar for Americans on food items is cheaper than any place in the world. So uh, we continue to invest invest in that. We need to tell that story because you hear a lot of other things out in media that agriculture is not, environmentally friendly, that we are doing things that we should not be doing. and no, Whether it's bushels per acre, whether it's pounds of gain per pounds of feed. Remarkable story on agriculture and the use of technology. That
2: has been an initiative on the creative side at Ceres to invest in intentionally helping through the use of video to tell that story. It's been very well received and I think it's been a, a wise investment on the part of an ag retailer to realize we need to tell that story more. We often say, "Don't let, don't lose out to a lesser story, better told." And we're trying to do the best we can to
1: tell the our customers' story. Now Jeff explains how Invest will work at Series Solutions and why it's part of this year's strategic initiative, including some insight around the key projects he anticipates this year.
0: And, and that is one of the good things we talked about it briefly of being a locally owned, farmer owned cooperative. We do make decisions based on the long term. We're not sitting here going, i got to meet a quarterly or i got to meet a year-end goal. And so we're going to do some unnatural things to make that happen, whether we're going to decrease expenses or we're not going to invest in a facility or equipment because we're having a tough year. Part of being the member-owned, we have a general reserve, we have net worth, we have capacity to do things even when... Times can get tough, and right now we've gone through some very good times. Things will get tough again, but we will continue to uh, make long-term decisions that will be best for our customers, our employees, and that's one of the great things about working for this company. You get to do that. I'm not sure we have any just major investments. We want to continue to improve on our digital platform because the customer of today used to be the customer of the future is going to demand more digital solutions how they communicate with us. Once again, that doesn't take away from personal contact, but we have to continue to do that. We have to continue to look at our systems talking together. uh, And some of this is our business, how we run our business. That's probably some of the goals that we want to do that more efficient. You know, labor is a tough one to have. How can we use technology? We shuffle a lot of paper. We get a lot of invoices in. We got a lot of payables. How do we communicate with our partners on their systems to eliminate? That's not to eliminate employees. That's to make employees' jobs easier, and then they can do other things that are more enjoyable than shuffling papers and that. So investing in our people, that's another big goal that we continue to have. We're in a program right now called Centered on You with about 17 employees, management, younger management to to broaden their horizons, to give them experiences, to help them be successful. You know, that's one thing that's probably changed in the last 30 years, 40 years, and I say that a lot. It used to be we'd hire you and say, Morgan, welcome to the team. Uh, here's the keys to the shop and the the operation, please run this for us and I don't want any phone calls. They either sink or swim and they run their own operation. Those days are over and we need to invest in our people. We have to give them the training they need, the tools they need. We have to be better mentors than we were 30 years ago. Was it good not to be a good mentor 30 years ago no but once again people have changed and what people and employee and 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 customers expect change over time and we have to continue to change to do that we're having a lot bigger investment in data management Mm -hmm. and that's part of that technology to make better decisions quicker you still have to use your your gut and some history and all that but customers what's getting expected employees how do you make better decisions you know where i said earlier that used to just say welcome aboard here's the keys i don't want a phone call you got to have data to make better decisions more informed decisions
2: i think that's at all levels of our business you know our managers are equipped now with new information new resources
1: Knowing what Ceres is investing in and understanding how Jeff has seen the business transform, I asked how he will know if he was successful at the end of the year.
0: I don't think we're ever there. You know, in my career, I've never been like, you know, if we do this, that, boy, it'll be a lot easier, right? (laughs) If we do this next level, if we can make this happen, if we can take care of the customer this way or the employees This job will be a lot easier. You know, it never gets easier. Everything's changing. Everything's dynamic. And the day we think that we have it all figured out is the day we're going to go backwards very, very quick. They elevate, amplify some of our key terms. You know, when we get there, we won't know it because we have set the bar differently as we go forward. So I'm not sure we'll ever know when we get there because it's ever-changing.
1: Next, Jeff walks us through how he evaluates investment opportunities and some of the challenges that come along with invest
0: well when we look at you know one of our things we talk about all the time is we're a company that continues to want to grow and that could be organically that could be mergers that could be acquisitions and when we evaluate them, we look at once it brings to the membership is it good for the membership? Is it good for the co-op? Is it good for our employee base? Uh, does it fit us in an area we need to go to? Is the culture somewhat the same? So we evaluate all of them and, and then make decisions as we go forth.
1: Jeff has a lot of experience bringing companies together. I asked him when there's a conflict of culture, how do you bring two organizations together?
0: It just takes time. I mean, and even even when when you think that culturally you're similar, I make the comment when I got married, we were a perfect fit, right? We were never going to have any problems until you lived together, and then you go, oh, we're not quite as, as compatible or the same. We do have some differences, and when you do that, and you just takes time, you gotta you gotta tell the story, you gotta sell why we're doing this, and that's the difference probably between. If you want to talk mergers, the first time we did a merger, now, that was basically the first time for both of the co-ops to merge under those under good circumstances. And so there was a little more, you had a lot more selling to do to the employees. You had a lot more reasons why you need to do this to this, the owners, the stockholders, the members. You had to do a lot more selling on why this will be a good thing. And then as you do them and good things happen because of it, then when you go and do another merger, it becomes a little bit easier there already see the benefits. The employees see the benefits that, yeah, there's going to be differences. We don't like change, but we're going to survive. And the customers will go, well, yeah, there may be some changes, but they're for the better. We're not growing just to be bigger, once again. We're growing because we have to to spread cost. We have to to be relevant to our suppliers. We have to to be able to offer services and new technologies and new programs to our customers that are demanding it. As they consolidate, they need more help. They get bigger. They have a lot more questions on how, how the future lies. We want to do that journey with them.
2: It's been really rewarding to have groups come in and think, wow, it's, it's great to be a part of a bigger ship that has someone specific who knows how to do this or, you know, has the resources that a larger organization is able to offer when someone comes in as an acquired partner.
0: And we've seen some of that in our latest acquisitions is, oh, we never had that to help us as an employee. Right. And we've never had that to offer to our customers. This is going to be helpful. This is good. We mm-hmm. never had these type of benefits. We've never had as good an equipment. So it's a process that don't happen overnight. But uh, when you bring your culture, you bring your business philosophy in, they either accept it pretty quick or they don't. (laughs) But we also, as we do acquisitions or that, as we were at that point and have been at that point, you look employees in the eyes Mm -hmm. and go, there will be some changes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you right up front, there's going to be some things you'll go, I really don't like that, but then I'm gonna tell you that if you don't like what, we, what our policy on this, here's what you gain. If you think you're giving up something, we think you're gaining on these two other avenues, and so, got a give and take situation and seems like it's worked so far not every circumstances but (laughs) the leadership team at series working with the board on policies and directions we are doing what we feel is best for our membership it may sometimes some of you may not always feel that way may not always see that uh, but you know genuinely we are looking out for your assets for your business to be here the next 100 years. We are about 3 or 4 generations into this. The great great grandfather started this, moved on and, you know, the relevancy of the co-op, some people question that on the ownership by the members. Uh, how important is that? And I think we view that as that's more important as we go further in this industry. than we go, then then we get removed from the start of the co-op. That uh, the long-term direction, the long-term decisions, uh, the local governance. You do have a say through your board members to get back to management and and help help at least influence decisions, be an advocate. Uh, Uh, Just like I talked about, as we are an advocate on their behalf in, in D.C. and at the state level, uh, they have that opportunity to help focus us and shape us as we go forward. Hopefully it feels like we're there for you all the time. I know I'm not naive enough to know that there are times that we get questions like, why are you doing that? For the long-term good of the co-op, for the, co- for the members, owners, and for employees, we believe that we are trying to make the best decisions possible. Not everyone is always right, but that is our goal is that we are here for the membership. Yeah, you know, when the co-op started, I mean, I've read some of that stuff. <clears throat> it was about getting quality products, getting products at a competitive price when you needed it. And that's what, I mean, it was, and a lot of that was coal, bag fertilizer, um, kerosene. I've got on my desk where Dave Downey, his grandpa started the co-op in Malbash County. Oh, really? And he interviewed his grandpa how many years ago, 20, 30 years ago, and about... They tried it, and they tried it, and then somebody failed, and the next thing they did, they said, hey, it's up your turn to do it, Bill, and and he helped get it started. So.
2: The cooperative,
0: Wabash County Cohen. op Yeah, that's where we're sitting right now, oh, right? is in yeah. Wabash County. So. Cool.
1: Throughout this series, we have covered the four strategic initiatives that Series Solutions has for 2023. Elevate, grow, amplify, and invest. I want to take a moment to say thank you to the leadership team. I am so grateful for the time and transparency you have shared throughout this podcast series. And thank you to Laurel. You are a great co-host, and I'm so glad you were sitting next to me throughout these conversations to help our listeners get even more value out of each episode. And finally, I want to thank you, our listeners. Thank you for joining us on this podcast adventure. We are so grateful that you choose to spend this time with us every week when we air a new episode. If you haven't had the chance to listen to the other episodes in this series, I encourage you to check them out. The first episode was with Doug Brunt, and he covered Elevate. Next, we had Scott Osborne, the chief financial officer for Series On, and he covered Grow. And in our last episode, we had chief marketing officer Drew Gerritsen on to cover Amplify. If you want to hear more from Jeff, be sure to tune in to the Agrinovis Indiana podcast, Egg Bioscience, coming up on Monday, June 19th, 2023. Each Monday, Agrinovis Indiana releases Egg Bioscience, a podcast that discovers the people, products, and innovation across food, animal health, plant science, and ag tech. Listen to hundreds of episodes over six seasons and leave a five-star review. Visit agronovisindiana.com forward slash podcast. The show notes for this episode will be available at series.coop. That's C-E-R-E-S dot C-O-O-P. If you enjoyed this deeper dive, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Your review and feedback will help other listeners like you find our podcast and we are so thankful for that.